Welcome back, listeners. My name is Steve. And I'm Andy. And we are here in anticipation for Stranger Things Season 3. But until then, we thought it would be a good idea to show you guys some of the archive episodes. In fact, all of the archive episodes of all the previous uh, seasons. Isn't that right, Andy? That's right. So if you're listening right now tonight, it is currently June 18th and Stranger Things debuts in 16 days. Now we have 17 episodes to squeeze in. So we're going to go ahead and get started right away. And we're going to squeeze in an extra episode in one of these days just to make sure we have them all out in time for season three. But we cannot wait for you guys to come back when we start our coverage for Stranger Things season three. So be sure to keep looking at your feed uh, to get all these archive episodes that are being re-released. But more importantly, uh, stick with us until July 4th when we will start dumping out our uh, season three coverage. So until then, hope you guys enjoy the archive episodes. It's like home, but it's so dark and empty. What's it mean? 11. Friends don't play. Stop it! You're freaking her out! She's freaking me out! The upside down. Do you understand what he's talking about? No. I found a chocolate bunny! Oh God, please tell me it's not the kid. I need you to hide! Mornings are for coffee and contemplation. Holy shit. Welcome to another episode of Streaming Things. My name is Chris. I'm Andy. Now I'm Steve. And this is the show where we recap every episode of season one of Stranger Things, uh, the wonderful property brought to us by Netflix in anticipation for season two. Uh, this is chapter four, The Body. The Body. The mm. Body. Let the bodies hit the floor. Let the, no, just the body. Floor! <laughs> <laughs> Netflix describes the body thusly. Refusing to believe Will is dead, Joyce tries to connect with her son. The boys give Eleven a makeover. Nancy and Jonathan form an unlikely alliance, which sounds like an episode of Survivor. <laughs> <laughs> Who's getting voted off of Hawkins today? <laughs> of Rowan County. So, if you've never listened to the show before, uh, Steve and I, this is our first rewatch from last year. Andy, this is his third. Um, and we delve into uh, each episode one by one, deep diving. Diving deep, rather, would be a better way to say that. Uh, and then pick out our favorite moments, and we go on a little Easter egg hunt, which we call Easter Eggos, and we find some cultural relevance. Or we don't find it, and we just stretch it and make it work. <laughs> so if you're listening for the first time, uh, you're terrible at serialized shows. So this is number four, so <laughs> you should go back. We're halfway there. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> and the show is set up best if you're rewatching along with us, so we hope that you're doing that. And if not, that's okay. Please stick around, uh, because we need you to listen. We don't want to be... If a podcast podcast into a forest and no one's around to hear it is it still a podcast <laughs> no it's a really lame one yeah. it's just people talking in a forest hey man if nothing else we're having a really good time enjoying this conversation about the show that we love so let's uh, dive on in to the show we left last time discovering will's body uh, and all mm -hmm. the sad little kids and siren lights and we all applauded the ending of the last episode very much andy and i cried yeah yeah you guys both cried and i'm normally i'm quite the crier uh, I think I'm so busy f feverishly scribbling notes to keep track of the recaps that uh, it takes me a little bit out of the experience. Yeah. That's my excuse. Uh, <laughs> I could have had a cold-hearted year. I don't feel. <laughs> <laughs> and left me dead inside, 2016 did. Um, so yeah, we start off uh, with the cops exploring the house, uh, being Will's house, uh, Joyce's house, which I thought was awkward. I guess what that is is... Now we have a body and they need a killer. 
or more answers to the researching Joyce is now a suspect, but they didn't really treat her like that in the interview. So I felt like the, the police exploring the house, which ironically for all of the lamps and all of the Christmas lights had zero lights on. Right. Uh, I thought it was strange. And they're using flashlights and it just looks awful. And like, she looks so fucking crazy. You know, she already looks crazy in the eyes of her son and you know, some of the townsfolk and the Donald, the shopkeeper, Donald. but with the police shining flashlights over her, inventions it's just like really awkward yeah it's like oh fuck and i felt like it was a bit rude and unprofessional to have to deliver the news that your son's body has been found and we're going to explore your home with flashlights what do you guys think about that well i think they're doing that because she just ran screaming from the house she's saying like oh there's that's a monster true. That, here. you're right i totally yeah, yeah they're, they're not like protecting her, her. her. yeah okay because yeah, there was a they i think they did a weird edit too where he's explaining that they found will and she's staring at the wall she then breaks down like it came there's a thing it came out at me from mm-hmm. the wall and mm-hmm. now they're looking uh for said creature that had to be a really like, I'm sad that we missed that scene, but I totally get it where, oh my God, I need your help. There's a fucking monster in right. there. Oh, okay. We found Will's body. No, you didn't. <laughs> Come here. You know? I mean, like, how did that, is that how that went down? I, I was assume? just talking to him. Yeah. Look at the, here's a ball of lights. Okay. So you thought I had no evidence. Here's the ball of lights. That's really a heartbreaking scene because she does it do is. that. She grabs the lights. Like he was blinked twice for no, once for yes. And mm-hmm. just the look on Hopper's face is just because he's yeah. lost his own daughter and he even tells her about how when his daughter died he heard her and he f- didn't know what was real what wasn't and he had to kind of tell himself it was all in his head and he had to move on or it was going to destroy him mm-hmm. and he tries to you know present that you know nugget of wisdom to her but she's not having it probably obviously because she literally just was just talking to mm-hmm. him but just right. no one right. believes him but he's trying to help her and it's breaking his heart to see what you assume is this person he's known for a long time kind of just lose her wits over this mm-hmm. yeah you um it's a huge moment for hopper where he finally confesses i think it's the first time we know his daughter's name is sarah yeah so we feel like he's processing his grief more than he ever has And it's undercut, unfortunately, by the fact that we know he's wrong, that his analogy does not track. Right. Uh, (laughs) But it's a huge moment for him. And he's trying to help her through her process, which, you know, thereby helping himself. Uh, But, you know, wrong. Sorry, Hops. (laughs) Actual monster going on here. Uh, So I love the moment. So then Hopper leaves the house and we all decide, uh, well, not we, but they all decide Joyce is just really losing her shit. And he can't bear to leave her alone. So he yeah. decides to sleep in his truck, uh, which is, I think, was just a wonderful moment. I mean, like, dude, you're the, my fucking dude, Hopper. <laughs> you are just a solid guy. Because I think the average cop would, you know, just another day on the job. Somebody I can't help. I'm going to go home and jack off and think about it. <laughs> Not think about it. Eat a steak. I don't know why he's got this husky voice. Like he's really into it. That's not the, what I meant to portray. That's but you know what I mean. Real hopper. <laughs> Do those things in that order. Masturbate and eat a steak. <laughs> I never get to the steak. I'm too tired to cook it. I'm a lot like Steve. I take a greasy nap in between. <laughs> so then we see Jonathan uh, grieving, um, late '70s style, giant headphones, record player on his bed, weeping. Yeah. Um, and it, it's again awful for for uh, Charlie Heed's character to he doesn't have his mom to grieve with. He thinks she's completely lost her shit mm. and he's been verified that he's lost his little brother. So he has to grieve alone. 
And then she determinedly marches out to the shed and grabs the axe. I love that. Like the way she's walking, like, no, yeah. fuck this. Like yeah. there's a monster and I'm ready for this shit. That's yeah, dope. The there's, balls to sleep there, period, I think. Yeah. Um, but there's an interesting moment where uh, Jonathan's grieving alone in the bed and Joyce has this struggle to knock on his door and console him. But then she, you're right. She makes that choice. Like, no, 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 no. I'm not consoling him. There's nothing to console because yeah. Will's still out there. Let me grab that axe and stare at the wall. <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot to be said to that. Like the, her resolve because she's in physical danger in her mind and, and definitely verifiably so just by being in the home. Right. Again, we're not sure of the rules of the Demogorgon and the upside down. We're not sure why that home in particular is more dangerous than the rest of the town of Hawkins or if it is. Uh, we know that he also, so, so far all we know is that he shows up in Steve's backyard and Will's house. I think that it's showing else. up there because that's where Will is in the. Oh, and he's still looking yeah. for Will. Okay. Um, I'm glad I, I wrote down here. I think there's a thing that happens in a lot of lesser scripts where something like this is happening. Say Joyce's character. She's privy to the supernatural things. That's actually true. And she's trying to explain to everyone else. I think what a lot of people do is they lean on this crutch move of people characters show up and they don't believe her no wait look and then in the moment of proof it doesn't happen right like she never takes all the characters and makes them stare at the lights and then like will fails to deliver which is like i feel like a trope that you see a lot of like yeah. no, no 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 just look and everybody's like and then a bunch of wry jokes and then mm-hmm. whatever lady like i'm really glad we didn't get that in exchange because we don't need that uh, so again nod to the duffer brothers with uh, restraint yeah, so then Joyce marches out, grabs the axe, and then we cut to um, Mike's house with Karen and Ted. Ted is here. He's back. <laughs> um, still very much leaning on his wife to decide what to do. Uh, should we go Should we go talk to, to Mike? Uh, He's got that brick of a TV remote. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> his name is Mike, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one. Uh, which, one of the, which one of the little kids died? Was it the black one? No, I saw him yesterday. <laughs> no, Ted is back. And uh, yeah. And, Teddier than ever. And, yeah, Teddier the than sequel. ever. Ted the sequel. I did like that the mom kind of like clutched his, like went to hold his hand to like seek support mm-hmm. from him. And he almost seemed sort of dumbstruck as to what to do. Like, oh God, yeah. emotion. Ted squeeze now. <laughs> what, what chicken? <laughs> what do Ted do? I could see Ted misreading the signals like, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> boob grabbing tonight. <laughs> I'm going to get to second base. That's how Ted would be, Let's too. Let's make another baby holly. <laughs> boob grabbing tonight. Uh-huh. Language. You can hear Darty talking and I'm going, language. Uh, <laughs> sexy Ted. So then we go down to the basement (laughs) and we see, uh, we see Mike, uh, bitching his ass off at, uh, 11. I don't know how you can forget that name. Uh, what's her name? 10? (laughs) Yeah. 13. Uh, so he's looking through, I believe what is, uh, Will's old, uh, dungeon master drawings and, and plannings, right. Mm -hmm. For, for the various campaigns. And he's still really furious at 11 because in his mind, she has actually outright lied to him that she had knowledge that she didn't have of his dead friend, which he was like, dick move. You know, Mm -hmm. that's what you're doing to try to get me to like you. So that's for his standpoint. And uh, this is where I think the nosebleed really comes in handy. Yeah. Because 
until now, we, it's been very obvious without the nosebleed cue that she's snapping necks and lifting things. And we don't need any of that. It worked in Firestarter without the nosebleed. You know, it works in Carrie without any kind of other cues. We know that there's telekinesis afoot. But with the radio, it's like that could be a wayward channel, a baby monitor being picked up, all kinds of things. And it just really helped when you see that nosebleed, you know, yeah. it's just brilliant that they thought to do that, that we yeah. have this little tool to let you know if there's any other questions, whether or not this is Eleven's doing. Now, you know, it, yeah, it literally connects her to this other world that Will's at. Mm-hmm. She has a way to access it that normal radios wouldn't. And we wouldn't know that if she they didn't add that cue in. Yeah. I thought that was a great from a filmmaking perspective that they she had that She turns tool. it up to 11. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and then that scene ends uh, kind of silly, but uh, a little on the nose, but I liked it where he's like, is that? And she goes, Will. <laughs> yeah, Who else would be singing this song? <laughs> <laughs> she would be funny and she was like, The Clash. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, N- no, no, it's Will. <laughs> I think the Clash did it, Mike. <laughs> I'm new to this world, but uh, okay. So then they go to uh, the karaoke. <laughs> we cut to uh, Jonathan waking up Joyce, and we have this weird dream flashback where it's like it's all Christopher Nolan for a second, and she wakes up within her dream, and it's Will that's talking to her. Cut immediately to the, to the real wake up, and it's Jonathan. Uh, I thought it was funny that Jonathan didn't mention the axe. But I guess yeah. it makes sense. She's kind of, but you know what I mean? It still thinks like, hey, mom, sleeping with axes now. I think this is, you know what I mean? Like that would be <laughs> this even is an more. improvement. <laughs> with as unhinged as he believes her to be, that would be something to mention. Right. I thought, you know, if I had written that scene and I'm pretty good at writing, yeah. I'd, I'd have been like, let's just put this away or something, you know, but he's just yeah. like, mom, mom who always sleeps with garden tools and crazy dangerous things. <laughs> let's go. We have to go to the morgue. Uh, so then how's that for a conversation? <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe he was the smarter one there and just like, it's not mentioned this. I think there's like an awkward scene where they're eating breakfast and he finally brings up. So <laughs> axes, huh? <laughs> Is that how we're coping? <laughs> hey, I got my camera. I totally get it. Um, I actually caught some, some people having sex the other day. So, <laughs> yeah. So different strokes. <laughs> Uh, then we cut to uh, Karen and her son, uh, Mike. Karen is Mike's mom. She's trying to coax him into coming with her to run errands and read a book. Yeah. Total mom move. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, you don't have to go to school. Your your friend literally just died. Like, his body was found. We'll Let's stop go to the by post the office. Store. We'll go to the video store. Get, get a rated R film. Get you an R rated movie, which likely has bodies yeah. as well. Take your mind off of Just it. Just think of that. That's Will. <laughs> <laughs> and that was actually a really good moment for me, though. It's not like an ego because it's not an 80s thing or a cultural reference, but it resonated with me because that was some of the happiest times of my childhood is just rated R movies at Movie Warehouse down the road, you know? Because oh, yeah. I kind of had free reign of the local video store and. Uh, occasionally the clerks would snitch me out. Like I remember I tried to rent uh, quills, the Jeffrey rush movie. That's all about the uh, Marquis de Sade full of sex and such. <laughs> and uh, my mom was like, so is this quills pretty good? And my, the video manager was like, that is not for him. He is 10 years old. There's a lot of banging, a lot of banging, <laughs> a lot of medieval, dirty, unwashed banging in that. And she's like, absolutely not. And I feel like I got screwed too, because she was just showing off her parenthood that she actually didn't have in front of other people. Like, Oh, then you can't watch that. <laughs> and I'm like, mom, you let me watch tits all the time. Shh. You can't watch it. Not. No. 
So anyway, that's a weird tangent. I just went, you can edit that out. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. I, I like this. <laughs> so, um, Tell um, me more of these tits. <laughs> <laughs> what other Jeffrey Rush films did you rent? <laughs> so then we get the scene <laughs> where um, uh, Hopper finds out that Gary, the local coroner, has been replaced uh, by who we know to be a Hawkins Laboratory. A Hawkins Stooge. Stooge. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Stu and Andy on the same page. Um, so it's great foreshadowing for the little detective story that is this episode. Didn't they say they were just, quote, from the state? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Will's, where's Gary? Uh, Gary got sent home. They sent a guy from the state to do it. Why? I don't know. Gary looked healthy to me. We're really in the state's rights here. So... <laughs> That's what we do. Because <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, Rowan County. And again, I'm tired of saying that I meant to Google something and didn't. Uh, just so you know, listeners, we watch each episode and hop right on the microphones. Not literally. Like, they're in front of us recording our voices. We're not sitting on the microphones. But So there's not a whole lot of time to do research post. Uh, that's the whole vibe we want to bring. But I saw that Rowan County was mentioned, uh, which is the first time I think that we've gotten a broader scope of the area they're in other than the city. And I don't know if it's a real place in Indiana much like Hawkins is a fake place. Right. But I thought we could get some more context if it was a real place. Anywho. So yeah, they're in the Rowan, Rowan County district. And then we got a, a, a scene with Hopper and Jonathan, which is pretty fucking awesome. Mm. Um, where he's uh, a father figure to Jonathan and, uh, gives him some counseling and asks him how he's doing and says, your mom's tough. Like, Oh yeah. She's a hard bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and then she burst out of the coroner's office. Like, Raising hell, yeah. Lady, I need you to sign this to indicate she is tough. She's freaking out. Um, and I got the vibe that knowing that the coroner is from Hawkins on the second watch, um, that he is desperate to have her sign it because it is his job to convince her that that is Will's body. So he's upset, not because she's raising hell in the coroner's office, but rather that he's got a duty to fulfill for the Hawkins lab. Mm. And he's like, seriously, I'm gonna get in a lot of trouble if you're not (laughs) convinced to this. Um, Anywho, I just thought that was cool. Uh, and you guys can interrupt me at any time. I'm just flying through here because I took a lot of notes on this episode. Uh, go to Selfish Steve in the alley. That's what I titled this section. Steve. So, Steve. And that's where we... <laughs> Steve, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so we, this is the first time I think we really get a hint of him being an actual douchebag. You know, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. He's just kind of like a selfish, normal kid up to this point. Yeah, he's horny. All kids are horny. Yeah. You know, all teenagers are horny. All teenagers are selfish. And even this is more is similar to a normal. That's true. Kid reaction You're right. Too. It's just from adult hindsight. It's yeah. really bad like for him not, to be like, not cool, man. Just don't mention the beers when you're talking about your dead, dead bitch friend. <laughs> <laughs> My dad's a great asshole. He's yeah. going to drop the hammer. <laughs> I'm going to be so grounded for like a week. <laughs> He's going to drop the hammer. <laughs> yeah, so he tries to convince her to not snitch on him when talking about her dead friend, or missing friend who's likely dead. Uh, and then we get a scene with uh, Jonathan versus Joyce in the town, which is weird. It was, I had this weird nostalgic flashback of watching that the first time, and that's the first time that's happened to me, which clearly I've seen every minute of this so far once before, but the scene where he's walking up behind her on the sidewalk get trying to get her to stop after mm-hmm. he gets out of the car. Uh, I just had this wave of nostalgia. Like, oh, dude, I totally remember this. Hmm. And so they have this huge argument right at the center of the town. And in a small town like this, this little downtown strip molly area would be the center, the hub. Mm-hmm. Um, 
It kind of reminds me of the center of town from uh, Back to the Future, where the bell yeah. tower is. It's like that same type of um, setup. Yeah, kind of sure. Like the big, like the church is like the main thing. Yeah, then there's all the businesses around it. Oh, see. City Will's of, house is just right yeah. there. <laughs> and Will's house is perpetually around the corner. Um, so, yeah, they get everyone in the town just stops to watch them argue about whether or not the kid's alive. And she just goes all in. I was really shocked by that. Like, I mean, obviously, again, her emotions are haywire, understandably. But I feel like with her other son being like, we need to go to the funeral. She doesn't take any time to be like, I didn't see the birthmark. This is what happened in there. She's just full on like like she's not talking to one of her kids. The kid's brother Mm -hmm. just says, uh, what funeral for that thing? You know, (laughs) that's a really hardcore way to go at your other son about that. Who kills it, by the way, in that scene, Charlie Heaton. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah he's, he's like crying and screaming and stuff. Yeah, like, it's good. And that's the first time I believe that he really he's like, fuck you, mom, yeah. with your crazy shit. Your Christmas. <laughs> li- oh, you're going to go talk to the lights. Well, I'll handle the funeral then. Mm-hmm. You know, what um, do you think about that scene made you have that nostalgia upon seeing it a second time? I have no idea why it stuck out of my memory. I just, the framing of it, everything just resonated in a weird way. Like, oh shit. Like I can remember exactly where I was sitting on the couch. I had a different couch at that time. And it was just this weird moment. Uh, it's really it's a weird scene for that moment. Yeah. It's yeah. Uh, totally under the radar. Yeah. Um, I'm sure I'll ex- hopefully experience more of that as the show <laughs> climaxes, but it's less uh, of an iconic scene, but it is it like is you mentioned, Andy, it's a very good scene. Mm. I guess since you're probing, uh, Stu, uh, <laughs> I had a lot of conflict with my mother who was, uh, actually crazy Unlike she did like the lights thing, but was wrong. Uh, to my knowledge, now maybe time will tell on that one. Uh, my mom was bipolar and very unhealthy, and uh, maybe there is a little more to it than that. Just makes it really uncomfortable for me to watch that scene. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Go Stranger Things. Um, so then the uh, kids argue over the will signal. So uh, Mike radios Lucas, and again, he's pretty hardcore about it. You know what I mean? Um, I forget what he says, but he's very dismissive. Uh, you know, he's like, I heard need- a baby. <laughs> well, no, he's like, we need to talk. Well, first, when he radios Lucas, oh, and he mm-hmm. says we need to talk about Will, and Lucas goes, "What the funeral?" And then instead of explaining anything, Mike's like, "No, not the stupid funeral. No, Come here, dummy. over and out." You know, it's like, <laughs> he Get doesn't dusted. know. He doesn't know. You don't think he's dead yet? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like really dick thing to say. Lucas, 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 Lucas. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not the funeral. I got a new D and D figure. You know, I don't know. That's such a 180 from what Mike was earlier, too, where he's like, you suck, Eleven. How dare you? I hate your guts. Mm-hmm. Lucas, get over here now. <laughs> I thought of that, too. And I, I almost thought writing wise, it might have been better to have one of the other kids find out about the Radio Eleven thing and then try to reconvince Mike, who has now had his trust shattered. You know what I mean? Instead mm-hmm. of Mike being, again, the first one to believe her and, and stick up for her and be passionate. You know what I mean? Yeah. Totally. yeah. Like maybe if Dustin, she like stayed at Dustin's house because Mike was like, fuck her, little liar. <laughs> you know, he's like, you mean, I got pizza. So I kind of like that because Dustin doesn't hasn't had much to do other than be cute in the yeah, background. Sure. So far. I mean, that's well, he does have a moment of her heroism in this episode, uh, minor heroism. But in real life, that's that's a lot. Uh, so then, yeah, they, they argue over the signal and they decide they need a bigger, more powerful radio. And so we have Chekhov's radio. <laughs> is what I called it. In my the Heathkit Ham Shack. Yeah. That's really cool that they, you know, 
Uh, Chekhov's gun is the principle in film uh, whereby you use everything that you show. Everything has a purpose for the listeners who have never heard of that. I explain that very poorly, but you get the idea. So I think it originates from stage plays. It does. Uh, old Anton Chekhov, right? Yeah. So, uh, which it was literally a gun. If you introduce the concept of like a gun on a wall yep. in a play, then that gun you has to be used. Better shoot that motherfucker later, yeah. <laughs> and then like in a plot, not just because they're yeah. you know practicing, practicing <laughs> <laughs> celebrating Fourth of July in a really redneck way. Before they go to the uh, to the radio, though, they have a a. a 80s montage of we got to make this girl look pretty yeah and so yeah. they're picking out dresses and wigs for 11 Dressing to fit 11. in um and actually this is going to call back to something that i primed last episode but never delivered on i kind of forgot about it halfway through the episode where, oh, bummer. uh so there's a connection between 11 and her growth as a person mm-hmm. and nancy like unintentionally, like Nancy is influencing Eleven and they don't even meet on screen because up until this point, Eleven really only hangs out with the boys ever. So she only has the boy uh, perspective on things. But when she goes into Nancy's room, she kind of sees these. The Tom um, Cruise poster. The Tom Cruise poster, the ballerina music box, you know, much more feminine things. And when they have this dress up moment and they put her in like a blonde wig and a pink dress like the most girly thing ever like not even 80s girls probably wore that right. to school yeah. but they put her in like the most girly thing ever and they say you look pretty and I think Lucas says you look good and no, she I looks at her like pretty good or something and mm-hmm. oh does Mike like, say it both I, I Lucas thought. says you look and then Mike or and Mike jumps in and says pretty and then she starts smiling he's like good pretty good oh, yeah okay. okay yeah and and then she looks at herself in the mirror and she almost affirms it to herself like this is what pretty means this mm-hmm. is what good means um and that's and that's partially because of nancy and i think that's interesting that she's learning how to be a girl through nancy when nancy's not even around yeah and i love the the synth uh uh soundtrack there yeah um feel good synth it was mm-hmm. very they, 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 they could have done better though like I feel pretty <laughs> <laughs> really hammer it home <laughs> I feel pretty good <laughs> uh, and then we have uh, exploring the upside down uh, Dr. Brenner sends uh, a unfortunate gentleman to be the one to hook up to his dick wench his name's literally Shepard <laughs> yeah, yeah there you go and uh, journey into the upside down uh, which we don't know is the upside down yet uh, Brenner calls him son, which I thought was kind of like evidence that this is a manipulation tactic that he use on, uh, uses on a lot of his staff. It's just this uh, over-sentimentality because he did that with Eleven. And obviously mm-hmm. she's a child, so it was easier. But he just had this very caring way, you know, yeah. like, yeah. be careful, son. You know, head on in there. He was uh, calling the other guy in the control room chief. Yeah. No, he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> he just bros with everybody. Um I thought the CG goo was really bad. That's a little weak. For five million dollar episodes. I thought like the outer layer, like the more darker green grassy texture Mm -hmm. looked good. But then, yeah, you're right. The pink. When he goes Ghostbusters 2 goo looks pretty bad. Yeah, it was some 80s Ghostbuster goo. (laughs) um, For sure. Slimer. didn't take me out like I don't remember even noticing that the first time but since I'm having extra eye for details on this go around I was like wow not very good on that no. uh, I mean I've seen short films with better goo than that <laughs> those were pornos but uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> I didn't even get a laugh Stu just got immediately nauseated 
I don't know why, for whatever reason, you said that, and I immediately thought of 80s babies. <laughs> <laughs> So then we see uh, Nancy talks to the cops. I did not like this scene. And I don't mean like filmmaking wise. I didn't think it belonged. I just really hated the cops in this scene. Oh, they're such dicks. They are unnecessarily derisive of her. Slut shaming her. Yeah. Like what? They're so unprofessional. Especially the the sociopath guy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Is this after you went to bed with him? Yeah. Yeah. Dang. It was talk. Was this before or after you took off your clothes? Okay, so I was not yeah. the only one. Oh, was yeah. like, I wrote, whoa. I wrote down. Uh, what did I write down? I wrote slut shaming cops. That's, yeah, that was my note. Five, same exact note. <laughs> slut shaming, and then cops is up here. So not exact. <laughs> also, quick aside: uh, the scene right before that, where they pull her out of class and the teachers reading to her on the mm-hmm. chalkboard, it just says, "What is evil." Yeah. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. Well, that. <laughs> what is evil? <laughs> Very Shakespearean, the way that you're reading that chalkboard, too. I like it. He's just holding a, uh, a skull. Um, so then we find out that, that, that the bringing of the body, I believe that's Hopper in a scene talking to the actual coroner, Gary, mm-hmm. um, about how big of an operation it was bringing Will's body uh, to the morgue. He was like, I just found it strange. It's, it's just Will Byers. It's not John F. Kennedy. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was a good line. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so this Hopper on the case, he's hopping on it. Uh, <laughs> then we see the kids with the teacher. They sneak Eleven in in her pretty little dress into the school. They try to get into the AV room, but the door is locked. And so they ask Eleven to open it with her mind. With mind bullets. <laughs> Does that do anything for you? <laughs> uh, but... It's a version of expectation. Teacher surprises him, throws him the keys, and says, come to the assembly real quick. Which was cool, because upon second viewing, got me. Yeah. Like, she's going to click that shit with her little brain, bleed a little <laughs> bit, and go on in there. Oh, AV teacher. What's up, guys? <laughs> hey, you guys want to go to the memorial for your friend? Here's the keys. <laughs> oh, sorry. That's my Corvette. We just needed some alone time. Yeah, to cry. Yeah. And Lucas is smiling like, yeah, we're really sad, and then, like, forces his face into a serious face. I, I love that. And super he's, comedic. He's, like, awkwardly sprawled out on the door, too. <laughs> yeah, like, super comfortable, oh, hey. not sad lounging. <laughs> yeah, we're sad. Um, We're going to cry together. And, and then uh, they, he asks where Eleven's from. And Sweden. She, she says bad place. Some and they're all like, Sweden. Sweden. <laughs> Which is an awesome place, by yeah. the way. It's cold. Sub-zero. Wonderful health care. <laughs> maybe not in the 80s. I don't know. Um, so then uh, they cut back to Nancy and her mother having, again, a little bit of an awkward argument, I feel like, with her daughter missing. And I guess maybe in the 80s. Uh, and I've never experienced like my child losing virginity or something, but I felt like her mother was a little too angry. You lied to those police. And then she's like, okay, I screwed him. That's not relevant to Barb. And she's totally right. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, seriously, you too? Like that you're going to talk about my sex life right now with (laughs) the whole Barb thing going on. So she freaks out on her mom, runs upstairs. uh, And this is basically not the, you know, in my opinion, not pulling back the curtain a little much, but it functions to, Show that Nancy needs someone who believes her. So mm. it you know, necessitates the union of her and Jonathan that comes in a little bit. I just thought it was funny though when she runs upstairs and it's like this not maybe not necessarily eighties thing, but it's outdated where the parent cannot cr- cross the threshold of the downstairs, you know. Yeah. Come back here. I, you know I'm not allowed to go up there, you know, like to continue this conversation. Damn it. Don't shut the oh. 
She shut the door. God uh, damn it. I'm not going to be able to talk to her until the next episode now. Toward it again. <laughs> Where's Ted? <laughs> I can't even go near the stairs, honey. So. <laughs> I can only sit in the lazy boy. Yeah. I'm confined to the living room. <laughs> and the kitchen. <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not allowed to be in these confrontation scenes in these 80s pictures. Uh, so she goes upstairs, pulls out the picture. Starts looking at it, finds a little uh, blurry Demogorgon in the photo, pulls out her handy dandy scotch tape, which I felt was unnecessary. Like the, <laughs> cor- the corner with the Demogorgon is completely un- you know, interrupted with anything. So she has to tape all of the irrelevant visuals to it and then have the scene of, aha. <laughs> there is something behind Bar. <laughs> I mean, I guess it helps to get the whole picture if she's going to show it to Jonathan, but... Anywho, in that moment, they like play it like that's her moment of discovery. Yeah. Like she tapes it, like wow, <laughs> I'm good at this. <laughs> Still, big white lines of rippage between every square. Yeah. It looks exactly like it did when I put it together on my bed. Anywho, uh, we cut to Brenner, uh, which I felt was a moment. So we we see the guy Shepherd that he sent into the Upside Down. We hear that he's in uh, strife <laughs> with the Demogorgon. Uh, and there's some gnawing, which is almost Jurassic Parky. Mm-hmm. We might even be able to put that in an ego where they pull back the thing and there's like just a mangled harness, kind of mm-hmm. like with the sheep and the T-Rex. Anywho, um, I felt like there was a moment where Dr. Brenner showed actual genuine concern. Oh, yeah, he like, did. Really, man? You know, like for his, which I thought made his character more interesting. He's yeah. not evil. He just has very interesting views of morality and yeah. ethics concerning scientific discoveries and weapons and stuff. What if he was yelling real him in because he just saw impending lawsuit just written all <laughs> over that situation? <laughs> not my dick wench. I yeah. feel like it'd be more in character. Like this real him in, this guy has been in there and I want to know what the fuck he saw. I'm losing mm. data Ooh. here. You yeah. know what I mean? Okay. There you go. You're right. I don't know. He does show concern frequently, but always for different reasons than yeah. the human life at stake. That's interesting. Okay. Never mind, Dr. Brenner. I was going to give you a little bit of a human touch. <laughs> but I mean, just that inclusion does make it more interesting. Like it could be a human touch. It also could be sure. like just he's upset about the potential loss of information and in science. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. science. Yeah. Uh, then we have the uh, assembly with the boys and the heartless bullies. Again, strike. Yeah. I mean, I was an asshole kid because you don't really understand the full consequences of a lot of things that go on. So you mock them. Right. And mm-hmm. sincerity at, at 13 years old is just non-existent. Right. Because if you actually like school, if you like learning, you're a nerd. People mm-hmm. hate that. If you act like you care about anything from 13 to 18, you're just a douchebag. Right. So I get that. But just again, this is a sociopathic level. Of just yeah, like absolutely. the queers oh, in fairyland oh, shit. There's a hole in our community. Nah, I'm nah, just nah. saying. I'm, I'm, I think Troy's like so far in the closet. He's just about ten years away from being caught in a gas station with some uh, underage boys. Stu, do you want to explain that obscure reference to the to the listeners who might not know what that is? What the tapping his foot? Yeah. Actually, what is that from? <laughs> Isn't that's, that what they do to signal? That, yeah, that's what gave me. Oh, yeah, I knew that was from, but I thought you were alluding to oh. like a pop culture thing, no, like a Jane Silent Bob get, joke or something. Trying to get them to actually say that, what that is. Anywho, dick uh, sucking. <laughs> did you feel like this was a little awkward? Like, I know that in the 80s, homosexuality was not as accepted, but at this point, Absolutely. like you said, you're pointing towards the characters. 
like he must be a closeted homosexual to keep bringing it up this much. Do you think it was the flaw in the writing that that's all they can come up with is this gay bashing? Because I'm really uncomfortable with the idea that Will being gay is an insult and even the good guys, Dustin, Mike and Lucas being offended that he might be gay is like a vibe that I get that I don't I'm not comfortable with. I think it's more just like being disrespectful. You know what I mean? It's not like, oh, you call our friend gay. It's like, hey, this is his fucking uh, assembly. Funereal assembly. Yeah, yeah, this is, you know, you're being a piece of shit. Quit laughing. Mm-hmm. I think Mike even says you're being disrespectful. No, right before yeah. he pushes him. Yeah, he does. And um, even, um, I don't know if it was the same for you guys, but at least when I was in you know, junior high, elementary school, that was like the go-to insult. Oh, yeah. To call someone gay. And at least from my perspective, most people, when they used it, they weren't meaning it because you weren't old enough to understand really what that meant. You just, oh, that's stupid is mm-hmm. what they really meant, mm-hmm. which is, doesn't excuse it no, at right. all. It's, no stretch of the yeah. imagination. Sure. But maybe like that, that's why I don't think the only failure in writing is that they harp on it too much. Like it's almost, they're almost giddy with like, oh, I'm going to say a word at a, mm. at a memorial because I'm cool and edgy. Like, but. I can see the bullies in a, in a crowd, like it's just in a huddle right before they like, oh, they're over there. I'm going to call him a queer <laughs> and I'm probably going to throw in a fairy or two. Oh yeah. Get him with the fairy oh, after yeah. the queer and then probably bring queer back again. Yeah. You know why? Cause he's queer. Oh, you're a genius. <laughs> <laughs> so then, uh, do you think, so Mike stands up for himself essentially for the first time. They, they, they usually give him a little quips and I love the nonchalant atmosphere of the kids, which I think is fresh. Um, the way they respond to the bullies is not abject terror at all. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, here comes the mouth breathers. Mm-hmm. Like they're going to beat us up. It might hurt a little bit. We're going to go about our day. We're going to grow up and get much better jobs than them. <laughs> you know, like that's the way they kind of approach it, which is refreshing. Um, but then he kind of musters himself to stand up fully for the first time, I think. Um, and we all cheer for childhood violence at this yeah. moment, right? Mm-hmm. Just across the world. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Beat the other troubled <laughs> teen's ass. Yay. <laughs> do you think that he had 11 on his back, knowing that she was on his six, so it had a lot to do I, with that? I, I think so, yeah. Because I don't think that's the way they intended it to look. Like, her rescuing him was the way it intended. Like, this is a moment for his character, and she's there to save him. Right. But the way I read it was like, you know you got a psychic friend yeah. that can... I almost read it less of he was confident that she had his back in case something went down, but more because he's interacting with this girl and there's that moment where she calls the mouth breather mouth breathers. I think that's he's more kind of like showing off. Not that he's showing off, but like her her view of the situation and her view of him is giving him confidence and he's got a confident boost within himself to do that. Mm-hmm. Because he's got this friend that kind of confirms like yeah they are mouth breathers you're right they're they're dumb you should step up to them and that was a cool uh, again a little unrealistic version of Eleven's omniscience but you know because there's so many she just learned that term and there's so much she's got to be overwhelmed by the amount of kids her age that she's never seen before and she's immediately like those are the mouth breathers <laughs> but it's still who cares there's a wonderful moment mm-hmm. um, he pees himself so then yeah Troy pees himself now again how do you read this scene because I read it like she freezes him and in his terror of an inability to move, he pisses his pants. Do you um, read it like she psychically squeezes his bladder? Uh, I honestly think it could go either way. Um, 
Yeah, I think there's even a line in a later episode about squeeze your tiny bladder or something. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Um, but if it if it were me, I, I I would call it just abject terror. You know, I mean, like, because you like yeah, you see you his were face, he's looking around. Yeah, like, he's like, I'm trying to move. Right. You know, uh, maybe yeah. it's more of a she has taken his ability to move or like control muscle. And he's just kind of like stuck in one spot. And, and so because, therefore you can't hold your own pee yeah, back. Yeah, you can't either. hold his pee. And he, it looks like he had like guzzled a 42 ounce. <laughs> oh my God. That. So <laughs> was like a puddle like sitting at his feet and stuff. Like, his, like when his loaded. buddy, when his buddy ditches him, he like has to make a, like a pretty Steps significant circle it, to get yeah. around the puddle. Yeah. I love when the, uh, the principal, what, what's going on over here? Like, oh, now you're paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> just pissing. You know, like a bunch of kids just made a circle and like they're about to fight and they're yeah. like, oh, they'll sort it out. Wait, did he pee on our brand new gym floor? <laughs> Every staff member in the school is present. No one saw him push him like four feet sliding on like, like a basketball gym suit scuffing and such. <laughs> one, one other thing to add about that scene when they're actually in the assembly, it is a little weird that, you know, Every, there's a bunch of people in that gymnasium and uh, Mike, Lucas and Dustin are looking around and they make this point like, oh, these people don't even know Will. They're looking around. They're mm-hmm. very animated and almost disgusted that all these people who are pretending to be Will, they look over to the bullies who are also just giddy with excitement about calling someone gay. Right. Everyone else is looking straight ahead, super into what the right. principal's saying. And there's just these two groups of people who... One of them is definitely the most related to Phil. Right. Or Phil. To uh, Will. Way to go. Disrespectful. I know. To Will. But it's just weird that everyone else is like, yes, I'm here for Will. Yeah. And in reality, a lot of the teenagers would have been in their own little conversations. Yeah. And, uh, if they didn't know who Will was, there would have been. bunch of extras going, don't look at the camera, don't look at the yeah. camera. <laughs> <laughs> right. This is my big break. This is my big break. <laughs> there was another moment I want to talk about. It, and we're really analyzing this smaller scene in this episode, but. It's kind of either unrealistic or a moment where Eleven grows. But she wipes the blood off her face and flips her hair. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. dope. In a, in a, in a, and I really liked it, but it is unlike her. It's like a level of normalcy and confidence that she is heretofore not displayed, I feel like. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I, I think that goes back to she's giving Mike she was more, more confidence and girl he's there. also giving yeah. her more confidence at the same time because she's hanging out with these three boys who like, I mean, she probably doesn't understand how cool it is that she can make a Millennium Falcon levitate and fly right. in the air. But when, right. you, when she does that in front of these three boys, they're like, oh my God, you're the coolest kid ever. It's for yeah. Lucas. Right. Um, <laughs> fucker <laughs> <laughs> so i think yeah she's getting the confidence but also uh i do want to know where she got the hair flip from because yeah. that was uh that was a pretty it's badass genetic dude. man <laughs> i don't care how out of character it is it's just awesome <laughs> yeah. she's like fuckers got him well, <laughs> i wasn't necessarily claiming it was a i think it was intended to be like a growth moment mm-hmm. it just took me by surprise and i really liked it yeah. that, like the look on her face was just like the first time that had crossed her face this season you know yeah. i was like oh shit uh, so then Nancy, I put Nancy goes to funeral home question mark. I do not buy that she went to Joyce Byers crazy ass and got any information of use out of her right. or that she would be so rude as to accost him with this photo with a smudge after she was with the crew that broke his camera while he's looking for a coffin for his little brother. Yeah. I just did not buy that. Oh. Are you busy? <laughs> <laughs> Got a second. Jesus. Yeah, I heard you were here from your mom, who's also dealing with the whole Will thing. Uh, Barb, though. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. 
Um, I do think it's weird. It's also kind of weird that Jonathan's like, excuse me, funeral guy, can you give me a minute? I got to talk to And the guy's like, "Mm." I I love that scene, actually, because (laughs) it's so teenage. Like, my brother's dead. I'm picking his coffin. My mom doesn't care enough to help me pick the coffin out. Hold on, this hot chick's here. I need to talk to her real quick. (laughs) Priorities, man. You know what I mean? And the coffin salesman guy, he's talking to this like 14 year old kid. He's like, I don't know what your budget is, but (laughs) over here we have the copper plate. Yeah, it's awful. (laughs) That's how it is, though. I've, uh, when I was picking out my dad's stuff, I was just marveling at the salesmanship and the industry of grief. Yeah. Uh, and over here, if you really loved your dad, <laughs> I think he would have really appreciated this. We have a headstone of this magnitude, uh, pretty exclusive. So, but it's only for our clients who truly love their parents. Do you have a membership card? <laughs> membership card will get you points. Scan your loyalty card for your next dead family member. Frequent dire miles. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> And Natalia Dyer is the actress who plays Nancy, who says, how did you know he didn't have a face? That was a baller segue. My segues are on point in this episode. That was a bomb-ass segue. (laughs) Yeah, so they have this moment where they're kind of agreeing that there's some some tomfoolery afoot. And then he finishes her sentence, didn't have a face. No. Because he knew that his mom had said the same thing. So there's the thing clicks in his head like, oh shit, mom has not been smoking my secret stuff. Mm. Mom is not losing her mind. There's something going on here. Uh, again, which they readily accept. She's like, how did you know that? So, and the, we assume off camera, he tells her how he knew that. <laughs> uh, so then we cut to um, Hopper going undercover uh, at the bar to talk to the gentleman who discovered Will Byers' body. Yeah. And uh, I called it Hopper Gets Dirty because he's mm-hmm. willing to, I mean, he's breaking the law here. I believe he's outside of his actual, what's it called? Uh, jurisdiction. jurisdiction. And he uses his daughter, which I thought was interesting mm-hmm. in the lie. He could have said son or nephew uh, or any other reason. There's so many reasons to have a good beer and buy somebody a beer. All you right. know what I mean? Um but it was kind of a moment when he asked her what her name was. It was really uncomfortable yeah. where he like regretted using that as the lie. Like, mm-hmm. I don't like talking about her. I don't yeah. know. What'd you guys think? Yeah, well, the line the guy uh, says, or the, the guy that he's questioning, he says, your kid, she got a name. And then like says it like aggressively. And, and Hopper yeah. looks at him like, what? And then he said, your daughter, what's her name? And yeah. It was weird. Almost like it was like showing what, how he would, how Hopper was taking it as opposed to what the guy actually said. Yeah. Because it made no sense yeah. for the guy to suddenly be really aggressive about it. I, yeah, I'd forgotten that. That was interesting. What you, Stu? Um, I'm, I'm wondering if it was, he's using this quote unquote, this like lie about his daughter is maybe there's actual truth to it. Cause he whips out a very specific story. Like, oh, my girl, she, uh, I'm celebrating. She won the spelling bee. She spelled Odin tells you. Yeah. O- Odontalgia. I, yeah. I looked it up because I'm like, is that a real thing? Yeah, and it is. What is it? Uh, it's a it's a fancy word for a toothache. <laughs> and oh. uh, just like he says, it's spelled. If you want to know all you spelling bee people, it's spelled O D O N T A L G I A. Ah, Odontalgia. There you go. I didn't know. I didn't take that. Like that's that's a good thing. Maybe she actually had one spelling bee with that word, which yeah. is more likely with all the relevant information from his actual life that we've seen him use. But I took it. Like, this is how fucking good he is at this stuff. Yeah. Um, this is, he's in his element now. Uh, and even outside, which I loved, 
when Hopper gets dirty. Goes all Serpico on it, dude. Yeah, it's and he's like, <laughs> and I believe they call that bad cop. <laughs> <laughs> I buy you a beer and handy J you. <laughs> if that don't work, I'll see you in the alley. <laughs> we got to see Harps, uh, Hop's uh, Good Cop, Bad Cop yeah. this episode. We go to fisticuffs. Um, I love that they have like the corny um, guy actually sitting in the car who has the time to tail every member of this conspiracy. Right. Who's that? <laughs> oh, there, that's the guy that always follows me now that I took that money. <laughs> <laughs> that is the creepy, mysterious black Cadillac guy. That's who that is. <laughs> I love how Hop even like brandishes his pistol, like "Stop! Who are you?" And, yeah. the, and the car's already like turned the corner; you can't what see are it you anymore. Doing, Hop? <laughs> yeah, just starts shooting. That's just a reflex. Stay off my hopper. It's my dude. It was also funny uh, when they're in the bar and dude leaves, and he's like, "Thanks for ruining the game, you dick." Uh, Harper has this look on his face where it's like, oh, "God damn it! Now I'm gonna have to beat the shit out of this guy." <laughs> <laughs> and then we get a flashback uh, where Eleven. You know, we have we see her development of her relevant powers, her relevant radio powers, her communication telepathy, where she's able to uh, be a conduit for actual conversations and information. Uh, and she outdoes herself in the test. So uh, Dr. Brenner just wants her to listen and repeat the random words that the guy down the hall is saying. And she shuts down the whole facility and has the guy's actual voice being broadcast over the uh, intercom. intercom which I thought was cool that they, so it suggests that the breadth of her powers exceeds anything he could have hoped or dreamed for or anticipated. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, who would have thought when they started testing on this poor girl that she would make a young child piss himself in a gymnasium? <laughs> Just that is a use that we never saw for the military. <laughs> All of North Korea will be pissing themselves. <laughs> Holy busters. <laughs> They'll be so embarrassed. I've wanted to check off this box for a long time. <laughs> yes. Pee stuff. <laughs> um, Dustin for the save is my note so then we go back to the school and she transmits Will to convince the entire crew that he's actually alive uh, where we do not yet know and uh, the the radio the expensive what's it called Andy? Uh, Heathkit Ham Shack the Heathkit Ham Shack uh, the teacher's gonna be pissed yeah no shit <laughs> just bursts into flame um, and then Eleven is very drained so we've seen that as one of the rules of this universe is when she the stronger the power, the more it drains her. Uh, and I just thought it was interesting that Dustin grabs the fire extinguisher. Because I don't know if you guys have ever experienced something bursting into flame dangerously in front of you. I have. Turns out, reaching for the nearest fire extinguisher and putting it out, not everyone's standard reaction. Right. Uh, even adults. It's more like a fuck. Shit. Ah, ah, <laughs> yeah. ah, ah. And then Dustin is not portrayed as the kind of kid that would be like quick on his feet. Uh, and I yeah. like that they gave him something to do other than be eaten in the background. <laughs> right. Like if he had <laughs> put a fucking marshmallow on a stick and put it over the radio, I'd have been like, God damn it. <laughs> just beating that kid's childhood chubbiness to death in this show. Just eating chocolate pudding. But he's man. like, I got it. And I was like, cool. Give him some, some practical heroism. It fits in his character, though. He's always the pragmatic one. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I dig and it. nothing's going to happen to that radio. He loves that thing. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And what's such a weird nerd, uh, what's it called? Item. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. for me, I guess, uh, I don't know. I just not my thing. Like, if it had been like a movie projector or there's so many lists of items that the teacher could have that I could play with that, you know, like super powerful radio, not one. But I guess I wasn't an early 80s kid, you know. It was more like 
if they'd had internet was like my age, you know, their age for me mm-hmm. would have, would have been like, Oh sweet. I could play on the internet all day alone. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess you that's got the, Oregon trail in here. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So then we have Justin, uh, Jonathan and Nancy have proof. They, they, I guess he zoomed in on the photo and then had it redeveloped and they get to have an awkward conversation about how he took photos of her semi naked. Right. And in the middle of that, she cuts him off because they have proof now that the dim recording exists and that they're on the same page so that the, whatever is taken will has also taken Barb and they can unite in a Hardy Boys esque um, <laughs> Hardy Boys adventure. Right? Am I wrong? Nancy Drew meets the Hardy Boy. Yeah, yeah. I think I thought this was a good scene because it uh, it it kind of lent to Jonathan's character because she asks him, you know, why do you take photos? And he says that people, when you talk to them, have a tendency to lie or not tell you the full truth. But if you capture the right moment on film, you can really get to know a person even better. Yeah, Yeah, that was a really good speech. (laughs) What did I say in mine's like that you were down for the D (laughs) (laughs) fucking picture. It's your naked back, if I recall. Uh, It said, Jonathan, you need to go somewhere and be alone. That's what it told me. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's the kind of speech that I loved as a kid watching films that just made, I'm like that. I'm an artist, you know? (laughs) Nobody understands me. And I had that moment there where I was like, yeah, that's right. I'm going to go take creepy pictures of people because I'm smart. Uh, And then we go to back to the morgue, uh, the coroner's office, where we see Hopper. Uh, lying to the front desk lady. I just left my hat. Just and he's such a good liar. Mm-hmm. And I, that's what I took away. He's a very good criminal. You know what I mean? Um, very adept in a hole in his skin, just lying straight to people's faces. And he gets to the guard. His lies don't work. He tries some obscure, detailed lies again, like "Oh, O'Bannon sent me here. I don't work for O'Bannon." And you could see the pained look on his face where yeah. he's like, "I'm searching for possible solutions other than uh, knocking your teeth out." <laughs> nope. I'm gonna have to punch this guy too. Yeah, bad cop too. Electric yeah. <laughs> bad cop on bad cop. Just like scanning for good cop solutions. Nope. Error. Error. <laughs> <laughs> so then he knocks the shit out of him, and he gives him the one too. Yeah, oh yeah, he does. And that was awesome. I appreciate that because so often in movies yeah. and TV shows, it's like the one punch knockout. Like that's you got to hit pretty fucking hard for that to happen. Mm-hmm. But he like lay, lays into it twice. I like to imagine he was out after the first one and Hopper's just a thorough guy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Once for practicality and once for fucking my day. You know? (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm Hopper. And then we see a very anticlimactic actual stuffed Will. Yeah. And I've seen this before and I still thought there was going to be like some science jelly in there. Something very not human but passable as a body. And instead... We have an actual cotton stuffed wheel. Right. It's a literal body pillow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> How did they know what Will looked like? And they created a fairly realistic impression of him, oh, I would imagine. Yeah. Super realistic. How? Hopper's like looking at it like, oh God, I'm not doing this. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh, like, I love the the torment in yeah. his mind of like wanting to know whether or not this is what he thinks it might be. But also if it is his body, I'm going to get in so much trouble. <laughs> right, yeah. That's going to be so gross. Uh, yeah, that was awesome. But I mean, I'm sorry to be a dick, but it, it, am I wrong? Is it is it clear to everyone else that this institution has the means and capabilities of making an exact replicant of a kid they've never met that quickly 
Right. But also so fucking lazy, they just stuffed it with cotton. <laughs> I mean, that fake body would weigh like 12 pounds. <laughs> right. yeah. like, no That's one, why no one was allowed to come near it. No wonder that shit floated on the uh, in the river. <laughs> I picture it. Nobody come near the body. And it's like a stick and a pillowcase and a pony head. <laughs> you know, in movies when uh, they like push an actor over a bridge and they cut yeah. to a wine and it's clearly like a pillow dressed up as a person. Like, yes. It's that. <laughs> They're like throwing We're like, let's get it to the morgue. And they like throw it into the, the back of the paddy wagon. Oh, damn it. So. But yeah, when I first watched this, I remember thinking like, is he a sheep? <laughs> I was really confused as to why that was. They went with cotton. That would be funny if Hopper drew the wrong conclusion. Like instead of being like, "There's a government conspiracy," he's just like, "Will was full of cotton." <laughs> Does that mean Joyce is a cotton lady? <laughs> Joyce, I need answers. <laughs> you haven't been straight with me this whole time, Joyce. Joyce beating her. <laughs> Where's the cotton, <laughs> Jonathan? I want to ask you too. I see you, Cotton Boy. You stay right there. Go back and talk to Lonnie. What's up, Cotton Seaman? You better call me Picker. Because <laughs> that's my new job. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. So then we see Lonnie come home on the rando, right? Who shows up. Uh, to comfort and I, that was a really beautiful moment when they put aside their differences he's a piece of shit mm. trying to act like he's 20 in his 40s and she obviously you know was difficult to live with I would imagine and probably banged Hopper um, And but they have this moment where they unite over this son that he hasn't even shown much care for and he doesn't say anything he doesn't bring his new squeeze he's just embraces her you know and she's glad to see him because they did spend some time together mm-hmm. they they bore children together and that's a bond that never completely goes away and i love that they chose to do that rather than be like what are you doing here lonnie you know yeah. she's like lonnie you know like mm-hmm. nobody fucking fucks with me right now please hug me yeah and he doesn't know the lights thing yet so he's cool he's like hole in the house what's right. up you know? <laughs> yeah there's a tender embrace and he looks up like what happened to the living room you spent my alimony on christmas lights you know <laughs> um, uh, donald gave them to me <laughs> <laughs> oh you're fucking donald now too <laughs> uh and then we end with hopper breaking into the hawkins national laboratory with bolt cutters right yeah. just snip snip which i love he finds the cotton body he doesn't go home to take a Xanax. Like, I feel like breaking into the lab is like a next morning kind of move for me personally. That's why I'm not a hero. <laughs> you know, I'm not even like Dustin level hero. I'd have been like, fire! <laughs> Plan this out a little bit. We got to tell somebody to put it out. <laughs> That's me. So you would go Mom! to the <laughs> you would go to the secretary in the front. Like, did you know? <laughs> yes. About this shit? Yeah, go, come, come here. Come here. I got to show you. <laughs> I'd be back at the assembly sitting down like... <laughs> Oh, somebody set the radio on fire? That's weird. You guys better... Oh, man. Is that a fire alarm? <laughs> I'm just here trying to clean up pee. Um, yeah, so uh, the shot at the end with the bolt cutter, that was a great little ending. That's one of those really good streaming, like, you're going to watch the next one, aren't you? Yeah. Moves. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, I just felt like it was a, a bold move and very uh, endearing that he ran straight to the lab because Will might be in there in his mind, you know? Yeah. I guess. Uh, so, anywho, that's it for the uh, recap and interpretations. So, now we're going to go to our chocolate pudding segment. Andy, 
No, wait, I'm sorry. We have a will call? Do we have a will call? Uh, we don't. Yeah, so normally we are a will no call will. segment is where we count wills. How many times people shout or call the name Will? And there was zero. Yeah, right? surprisingly. Um, I thought there would have been one when uh, they're messing on the radio for Will's voice. But yeah. none of them said like, Will? Huh. It was very weird because they kind of like got around it. Are you sure? Because I think unless I like completely like missed out on it. When 11. Because I'm not counting when they just say like when 11 goes, it's Will. Like I know people like absolutely questioning and yelling. I don't think Mike does start screaming Will or anything like that. Okay. Hey, so we got zero on chapter four. Uh, So Andy, what is the chocolate pudding segment? Chocolate pudding is our favorite moments. It's just uh, we pick our top three each that Mm -hmm. uh, just really stood out to us as being episode defining. Okay. Um, Or just, you know, we loved them for whatever personal reasons, like me and my mother. So my first (laughs) chocolate pudding, my number three, um, would have to be um, the opening where, or not necessarily the opening opening, but the scene with uh, Mike in the basement he's real mad at l he's like that sucks what you did like you you hurt me and uh she uh is fiddling with the radio she's he's like all right will you stop are you deaf and then you start to hear him singing uh you hear will on the radio singing the clash mm-hmm. and uh just the uh l like looking up her nose is bleeding a little bit and she's like mike uh, it was just a powerful moment i feel like what about you, Steve? What's your number three chocolate pudding? Uh, my number three chocolate pudding is the scene with uh, when Jonathan confronts Joyce on the uh, the city square. And he's saying, you know, we have to do the funeral. You're being crazy. The lights thing's crazy. And Joyce just goes all in mm-hmm. on the on the will being alive train and that there's just a thing on that slab. And it's not her boy. I love the act, the acting between both characters. And it's a really powerful scene. I loved it. I love that the whole town just watches them unabashedly because yeah. that's yeah. a little small town vibe. Like, hmm, oh shit. Because like, I'm more in bigger cities all the time now, but I grew up in a town like that. So in the bigger cities, it's like people will literally get like shot and it's like, so, <laughs> late for the post office, you know. Not my problem. <laughs> he delivers that super cliched line like, all right, show's over, everybody. Yeah, yeah. but in the 80s, yeah. new line. Yeah. <laughs> right. Which is how this show can get you. But even like with the bad CG, you're kind of like... Wow, they really blew the budget on the clash in this episode and couldn't use any or is that homage to the shitty CG of the eighties? You know? Really I don't know to this moment. Uh anywho. Uh my number three is um Mike doing Eleven's makeup, that whole that whole scene. Um oh, yeah. them getting all the clothes together. It, what I love about it is none of those kids, if I couldn't dress a young woman now, I don't think. And make her look anything like... Uh, well, that's probably illegal. Gwen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, in my, I'm 30 almost. I don't know how to do makeup or anything. Yeah. And these are all like 13-year-olds. So right. she should have looked like a trailer park whore. Like, let's all be honest. Has <laughs> but, like the worst makeup. Yeah. But they're uh, trying really hard to do their best Nancy impression. Uh, and it's just super endearing. And mm-hmm. it's a great moment for her character, like you said, where she gets to get in touch with a human side, a feminine side and, uh, enjoy some closeness with the gang. And it was just, it was fun too, you mm-hmm. know? So anyway, that's my number three. Andy. Oh, sorry. There's one shot in particular where Mike goes to the, 
to put the brush on her yeah, and her reaction to when the when the blush like actually makes contact with her cheek she'll like back to like what, what is yeah. that no <laughs> it's it's really endearing her reaction to that yeah i'm glad he didn't try eyeliner she would have snapped his neck <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> shit's scary andy what, what's your number two uh that's my number two um that scene it's uh like you said super endearing i love when uh um lucas and dustin are going through boxes of stuff and you see like uh like fantasy costume stuff in there and they they have this throwaway line in the first episode where like your sister used to be cool remember when she dressed up like a elf for our or a wizard for our elf tree campaign or something and then you you see like a wizard hat and stuff in this box i thought that was really neat and like dustin wearing the wig and lucas holding up the dress yeah Yeah. i love the shot the blush like when they open that it's such an 80s shot like the camera is being pushed in and then like the two characters lean into each other mm-hmm. and then like he holds up the blush brush like yeah it's such a two shot yeah super 80s shot uh and uh i i really love the shot where um l walks up to the mirror and she's um mike had his line where he says you look you look good, pretty good pretty good and then she like hat uses the line yet another way she says pretty good like mm-hmm. she's like i am pretty and that is good as opposed to like all the other ways that was said and it's a really cool shot because like mike's standing there in the background of the reflection mm-hmm. and it's just it's l's first time that i think she's ever had an, an effeminate experience she's ever felt like i yeah. can't you can't say a woman but a girl you know this yeah. is uh she's been the boy up to this point and like steve was saying before like she's learning how to be a girl vicariously through um Nancy ghost Nancy ghost Nancy yeah uh, ghost Nancy Drew <laughs> yeah it's this little character building thing that you would otherwise overlook um, were it not for this character's horrific backstory sure okay um, I, I can't I'm just gonna spoil the egos because it's like a half ego anyway like it's mostly eaten it's a go but yeah or an egg it's just the syrup <laughs> <laughs> no there's no syrup on egos in this show buddy um that whole scene with her it's like a some kind of trope i'm sure there's a specific movie it's referencing but like dressing up average girl with synth score and then her feeling beautiful for the first time like i know that that's a very famous 90s movie that's on the tip of my tongue and it's probably oh, a john yeah. hughes thing um, 16 candles is it a 16 that's what was my guess too but i want to say that out loud you're brave you're brave because i already I did know. the fleetwood mac thing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i think the the 90s movie has freddie prince jr in it right Yes, it does. She's all that. She's all that. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a clearly beautiful girl with like a ponytail and glasses and they like take them off and the hair comes oh down. They're like, oh my God. She's gorgeous. <laughs> Why she has those dumb glasses on her face? That's what that reminded me of. That was one of my Easter egos for later. So anyway, uh, Stu, you're number two. My number two is uh, Troy Ping. Uh, I just love that. Into that. Well, I I love seeing bullies get their comeuppance in Absolutely. movies. It's one of my favorite things. Like even no matter how tropey it is, like being a kid who got bullied a lot when he was a kid. Like anytime I see a bully get their comeuppance, like yeah, you motherfucker, you like deserve that. Biff and the manure truck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's always some comedy to it too. Yeah. Like Biff and the manure truck. That's funny. He gets shit on. This guy pees himself in, it's front in of his him. mouth. Yeah, he does gross <laughs> and just the added element of because it's a good it's a good character moment like we mentioned for mike and for l 
but it's also got the humor of like take that bully and then even his friend is like oh you're not cool anymore you peed yourself let yeah. me, let me <laughs> walk around your puddle I think that's huge <laughs> for later is the, the extreme level of embarrassment that he actually experiences because mm-hmm. everybody who's ever been to school knows that him peeing himself in the school assembly with yeah. everyone in attendance was no small thing no um, that kid's social life is ruined changed his <laughs> life uh, my number two is Hopper gets dirty um that whole specifically him beating up the guy at the bar but I think just that whole little storyline of his is one of my favorite things of the show so far of him Mm. realizing his it's weird because he's doing illegal things he's lying so immoral illegal things but it's kind of like stealing an apple when you're hungry Um, it's also simultaneously when he is doing the most good he's getting to the bottom of this when no one else cares enough to believe anybody um He's going outside the realms of what's expected of him to be of assistance in this situation, again, because he's missing his own daughter. So it's like breaking the law and also the most moral in the show uh, all at the same time. And just that's my kind of movie, too, is just seeing the guy. I like complex moral things. I like hurting people for good. (laughs) Uh, The greater good. (laughs) The greater good. The greater good. The greater good. Crusty jugglers. (laughs) Yarp. <laughs> Andy, your number one chocolate pudding of the body. Uh, my number one has got to be um, when the kids go to the uh, AV room and find Will on the uh, Heathkit uh, intercut with um, Joyce uh, hearing Will for the first time in the house, hearing the banging and ripping the wallpaper. The banging was good. Yeah. And she <laughs> rips the wallpaper. And it's so weird. It, it doesn't make sense because up to this point when the monster comes through, it's like the war, the wall morphs and it tears through. Whereas this time she tears the wallpaper and it's like a window into the upside down. And it's, I just love her line so much where she, um, he will screaming and he says, He's he's coming. He's going to find me. And she says, uh, honey, I swear to God, I'm going to find you, but I need you to hide. Like it's such a mom moment. You know, she uh, she sees her son in danger and she's she drops the how do I get to you? She's like, I need you to be safe so you can be alive for me to find you later. It's so good. Mm -hmm. Good shit. Tearing up thinking about it again with the tears. This man is tears. A really good man tears. Real men weep. Now the CG on the um, the wall window to the upside down was actually really good. I don't even think it was CG. I think that that was like a practical thing. They, where just, they had just had like a had, jello thing. Yeah, just like a piece of white plastic, mm-hmm. and have uh, the actor that plays Will on the other side. Uh, what about your number one chocolate pudding, Steve? Uh, my number one is pretty much the first uh, scene with Hop and uh, Joyce where he really kind of gets down and serious and he talks about his daughter leaving and he's trying to comfort her. I just really love that scene because there's such earnestness in uh, Hopper's portrayal in that moment. It's very honest. It's very real. And Winona Ryder is also, you know, she's just as manic, but she's like taking the time to listen to him, but at the same time rejecting that notion that he's putting forth to her. Yeah. Yeah, my number one chocolate pudding. Um, it's kind of a small thing, but it's uh, Joyce with the axe. Um, <laughs> and there's two things. Two times she uses the axe, and they're kind of both cheating a little bit because they both struck me very powerfully. Um, the first time when she kicks the shed and grabs the axe, and the soundtrack—I uh, can't remember if it was score or soundtrack—but it's timed with her kicking in the door very well. Mm. 
And it's like, you know, and she comes out holding it. It was such like a mom moment uh, of strength and power Mm -hmm. and resolve that I started to tear up quite a bit just because she was like, motherfuckers, I'll, you know, like (laughs) get my boy and I'll fucking (laughs) chop you up next. No, that's too far. Okay. Um, And then later when she actually has to use it on the wall and even though she's not using solid axe technique at all. Uh, which, She's not a regular old Gimli is what you're saying. <laughs> you know, you're supposed to keep your hand up by the wedge, swing it upward, then slide your hands together at the bottom and let the weight of the axe. It doesn't matter. Uh, improper technique. <laughs> she was using way too much effort, but it was just so desperate. And it just moves me to see her like unstoppably like monster in the walls, whatever. That's not going to stop me. That's my boy. Mm-hmm. That's my, and he's the smart one. He's the smart. The other he's one's just, creepy. He's got a camera and he takes pictures. He, he thinks I don't know. You know, like, <laughs> he's listening uh, to the joy division in there. I don't know how to reach him. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I just Winona. I don't know how I didn't like her performance the first go around. I just, she's, she's the, the, the emotional core just, just striking through you, man. She, how do you capture the loss of a child? And mm. I think she's able to do it. Mm-hmm. So shame on me. <laughs> Shame on me. This podcast is about learning about yourself. <laughs> it is. That's what art's for. Welcome to another episode of Personal Growth. Personal My name things. is Chris. <laughs> Personal Growth Things. So I didn't have a best shot for this one. Did you guys pick anything cinematic? I never know how to use that word. How do you use like an Cinematically. adverb? Cinematically? Yeah. I guess. There's no cinematographically? <laughs> cinematographically. <laughs> okay, you guys didn't pick one either. That's I didn't, fine. Yeah. That's um, fine. Mine would have been, uh, I actually did think of it, uh, when the kids are go to the Heath kit to try to listen to Will, um, the light pops above them and uh. Dustin's like, holy shit. And like the the glow from the Heath kit is lighting up L, uh, really bright and the kids are kind of shadowy in the background they all lean in as they start to hear Will mm-hmm. like it was like a real E.T. kind of looking shot you yeah know? the team together I have a shot okay but I don't I, so it's not the best shot it's, just, it's yeah. actually I'm pretty sure it's a blooper but I love that it's in the edit um, the scene where they're riding their bikes to school with L in the back yeah. of uh, Mike's bike they have that shot of L kind of looking out and taking in the scenery and it's probably your first time seeing other people walking around in a normal life. Uh, but then they cut to a wide where it's all four of them riding their bikes directly towards the camera. And Lucas is just having the time oh, of his fucking He's life. Going, it's, it's really out of place. Like we're going to school, but Lucas is just cheesing on that bike. I didn't notice that. It's the happiest I think he's been this whole show. I love bikes. <laughs> he's like even standing kind of yeah. like, he's not sitting on the seat. He's standing yeah. up like, yeah. I'm getting so much money. It's like a Capri Sun commercial. Like, yes. That's awesome. I did not notice that um so now moving on to our easter egos which is a segment wherein we try to do our very best to locate most of the many cultural references and and 80s easter eggs uh, inherent in the show and we do it very poorly so we stretch it quite a bit at times i didn't find that many easter eggs at all in this one I didn't yeah, either. I got a couple. Okay. But. Andy, lay one on us, buddy. Uh, here's a really good one. Um, the name of this episode is The Body, mm-hmm. um, which is the name of the Stephen King short story that Stand By Me was based on. Oh, oh, oh nice. Got us. Yeah. What about um, you, Stu? Follow that. 
Or was Andy going more? No, dude, uh, just obviously we, I, mean, I think we talked about it on episode one that, uh, stand by me is a huge influence sure. on this show. Absolutely. Um, that's a huge one. I uh, didn't, I don't think I've ever read in any of the Easter egg articles that I've ever heard before. You might want to write that down real quick before <laughs> we publish this. <laughs> um, really the only good one I had was when it's early on in the episode when Mike's going through all the drawings. Um, it looks like one of the drawings is the Lord of the Rings characters. There's oh, like nice. a Gandalf wizard hat and an elf and a, a dwarf. Uh, it looks it looks more like it's from The Hobbit than Lord of the Rings proper. But uh, yeah, that was my Easter egg. <laughs> okay. There's also a dragon eating a guy. <laughs> That's uh, The Hobbit. Could that be Schmaug? It could be Schmaug. <laughs> Schmaug. Schmaug. Uh, I'm going to pull uh, a low-hanging fruit and just throw out uh, Cujo. Yeah. Which was what the guard was reading when Hopper walks up and there's a picture of Stephen King on the back of it mm-hmm. and he's like oh shitty mutt or what, what does he say yeah he's like oh I love that book something, something mutt yeah yeah. So he's referring to uh, Stephen King's popular novel about a, a dog Cujo uh, a dangerous dog <laughs> uh, Andy another chocolate pudding wait shit it's an ego get my snacks mixed up, snacks mixed up. Um, <laughs> I noticed that uh, there is a view master mm-hmm. on uh on Mike's oh, dresser. Oh, like the clicky Yeah, one thing? of the clicker things. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, I was, uh, I was babysitting. see what that was. I was babysitting today, and uh, my nephew was uh, in the basement going through a box of stuff, and he came up with a Viewmaster and was, like, clicking through it, and it was just a really serendipitous <laughs> thing. Um, anything? That was your only one, right, Stu? Pretty much. There were a lot of board games in the background, but uh-huh. I couldn't ever... F- you know, quite mm-hmm. get what they were in time. And then you were wondering if there was a Stargate reference in the tunnel to the Upside Down. Yeah, the, so the scene where the guy goes in, in through the the gross purple goo. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 it's been a long time since I've seen Stargate, but don't they do a similar thing where, where they hook a guy up to a wench and he's the one that goes through the gate first? Mm-hmm. I could be mistaken. I don't. It's been so long. I need to ask my wife. She loves the movie Stargate. Mm-hmm. Um there's probably also like an alien thing in there in the design of the goo as well, but I know they did that in a South Park parody of Stargate. Yeah, uh, well, what was that? Uh, what was that? Super Tomorrowland or whatever that, oh, okay. uh, that had all the like other IP like Freddy Krueger and yeah, Terminator. Yeah, yeah. That land they sent a guy through the Stargate and he's like, "They're raping me!" <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, and I didn't know if that was actually from Stargate because it's been We're like over it ten is. years since I've seen Stargate. <laughs> We're gonna say it is Stargate Easter Ego. Found by Steve. Boom. Done. Didn't even know it. Uh, I got a couple more super low-hanging fruit. Uh, they mentioned Professor X, and I saw a Rubik's Cube. So <laughs> I saw that cube, yeah, too. Yeah, Professor <laughs> X one was good, and Dustin's like, um, are you on the right channel? And Mike's like, I don't think it's about that. I think she's channeling him. He goes, Professor X. Yeah, <laughs> that's good stuff. Really subtle. Um, this isn't really an Easter ego, but um, when Nancy's in class, before she gets called in and talk to the cops, they're reading from Heart Son of Darkness. Of um, from what? Heart of Darkness. Oh, that was my only is. higher fruit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it's all about like a journey into an unknown world and like the depravity and stuff that you experience going into it. Um, which is which right is, after the guy journeys into the gate. Yeah. So it was cut yeah, yeah. almost on the nose. Does the Heart of Darkness in the novel, does it discuss 
what is evil? Yes. <laughs> the nature of evil, yeah. it, it does. That's why I was kind of, you're right that it's a funny question to have on the chalkboard. <laughs> That's all it was on the chalkboard. It was just like corny set design, like, what would I do in class for did Heart you guys, of Darkness? Did you guys ever have, like, an English class where all you would do, so you're like, there's 30, 20 to 30 students in their desk, and then a teacher who's just sitting in the front just reading straight from a book? <laughs> no, we would take turns <laughs> reading. That was yeah. a common thing. Yeah, maybe it was his turn. <laughs> I have this thing. I read with groups of people sometimes. It's a long story why, but it's in a, a, a very, there's a good reason. But I sometimes hate, because there's like, it's people that aren't very enthusiastic readers. And when you get to very important parts, it's almost like, ah, I'm going to do this, you <laughs> right. know? Um, so I, maybe he was doing that. I'm going to jump in there. <laughs> yeah, that's the book that uh, Apocalypse Now was based on. Mm. Um, mm. And so it's the book where the horror, the horror comes from, so, <laughs> which is a page master quote. Uh, you ever seen Master? Pagemaster? Yeah. That? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, dude. Nice deep cut there. Yeah. You know what the odds are that you're going to fall from that ladder? I loved <laughs> deep cut Pagemaster yeah. so much. Anywho, uh, I think that's all we got, right? That's all we got. All right. mm-hmm. well, thank you so much for listening. Uh, please send your feedback into streamingthingspod at gmail.com. That's streamingthingspod, like the wonderful band of the 90s, early aughts, at gmail.com. Pod. Yeah. And if you've uh, if 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 you've caught Easter eggs that we haven't caught, yeah. send those in too. Please, I begged them. That was a beg. Because I Please. fucked up this episode, guys. I didn't find very many. Uh, and do your own will call. Uh, prove Stu wrong. Yeah, I'm probably was, wrong. Uh, well, sorry, Stu. There was actually 17 uh, will calls by my definition. Shut it, nerd. We're, <laughs> we're aware that our listeners do not sound like that. Please. Uh, l- please like us. <laughs> please. Uh, rate and review us on iTunes and go ahead and click that little subscribe button. Doesn't matter what it does. You're going to want that for later. And we are also on Stitcher and Google Play. So tell your Android carrying friends. Um, yeah, you can find more of me on Twitter at C Michael Rudd, Michael, like it's normally spelled R U D D. Uh, Andy, where can we find more of your um, bullshit? Twitter, uh, at Inkwell Verbal. Okay, okay, okay. And then Stu, uh, I would direct people to my website, stevemayfilms.com, where you can see some of my work there, mm. as well as check out my other podcast, K Fabulous Wrestling Radio, which is about professional wrestling, the dumbest thing on TV, but also the greatest. Hey, man, <laughs> you love what you love, and that's what we love about you. Oh, I love you guys. That was good. <laughs> yeah, you like it? Yeah. All right, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you uh, soon for Chapter 5. And until then, my name is Chris. I'm Andy. And I'm Steve. Streaming this. Streaming Streaming Definitely. Will? <laughs> is, that, is that Will? Is he, is he a huge fan of... Uh, uh, Pulp Fiction? Pulp Fiction? <laughs> no, what's the name of the song? Uh, Miser Lou. Miser Lou. Uh, I was about Miser to say Lou? that, but I, ca- I was like, no, that's Le Miserand. <laughs> oh, shit. Are you okay? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Are you all right? Snap the headphone and 
into my eyebrow. Oh. That looked like that hurt. And there's so much squishy part. There's so much squishy part. It hit me with the plastic part. We're having a paranormal experience here. Oh, my God. Mouth breather. (laughs) 